Now, our next guest is Miss Pollyanna Reed. My goodness, just listening or looking at what she has done and who she is, it is amazing. So Pollyanna Reed is a senior contributor at Forbes Women and founder of the Writer's Block, a full-service celebrity ghostwriting agency, a purpose-driven entrepreneur with a storied career where she doesn't have a pen in her hand. You can find Pollyanna mentoring millennial women and delivering university guest lectures on entrepreneurship, fulfilling a passion to light up dull classroom curriculums with real-world experience. Mm -hmm. I hear that, Pollyanna. Yes. She is also a mental health advocate and public speaker widely known for using clever wit and candor to help young adults see beyond the limits of their circumstances. Pollyanna recently graduated from the Women's Leadership Program at Yale School of Management. Okay. She is an active member of a chess club, has written two books, and loves to volunteer. We have a powerhouse on our hands, ladies and Let gentlemen. Let me tell you something about Miss Reed, okay? Pollyanna Reed, when you hear the name Pollyanna Reed, you sit up straight. <laughs> no, like... I, I remember Pollyanna was one of the first black women on social media in my peripheral world that I can see where she was openly and bravely and boldly and vulnerably speaking about mental illness and mental health in our community. I'd never seen it before. And when I reached out to her, I was so grateful that she said yes. But when I was doing my research and I'm like, who in the community, who do I know is speaking out about this in Toronto, in here in Canada? And and Pollyanna Reed mm -hmm. was one of those women that I saw just doing it. And to wow. see how her life has evolved since and and just to continuously see Pollyanna just climbing that ladder. And she just she doesn't just climb that ladder. Dr. Natasha, mm. she lifts as she climbs. See, that to me is the important thing because you can climb that ladder, but if you also don't look back yes. and be able to carry people with you on that journey, mm -hmm. it ends up being a very lonely path to walk. So Absolutely. it's amazing that she now uses her her voice to empower and enlift others as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And and what I also love about her is that she's a straight shooter. Mm, she okay. tells it like it is. Good. And I'm telling you, audience, you're sit up straight when you're listening to this one. <laughs> sit up straight. That all right. Is all. Listen. Let's get alone. at it. Let's go. Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. We're just gonna we're gonna dive in, Pollyanna, and um, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna ask you to just briefly tell our audience a bit about your story. Okay, sure. We want to get started with that because we know that um, you were one of the stars of the Blind Stigma um, 
documentary. So we don't want to give too much away because we want to talk about what's been going on with you after the after the documentary. But for our listeners who may not know a bit about your mental health journey, could you just briefly describe for us what um, what your mental health journey has been? All right. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. So an in introduction, um, whenever people ask me who I am, and what I'm about, I say that I'm a millennial woman who has fought for her dreams and won. Um, I am someone who has to battle a a lot of noises inside my head that most people will never understand every mm. single day. Um, I'm someone who has to continuously make the choice to be an active participant in my life. Um, and that's not easy. That's not easy. I think, you know, given the circumstances that have happened this year, I think, you know, the world is going through um, a mental health crisis. And um, for me, I try to live my life in a way that will help people to truly understand that there is life after disappointment um, and where you're at isn't where you have to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, I really try to make sure that, um, you know, I think a lot of people praise me and, you know, and celebrate me for my titles. And I spend a great deal of time really trying to understand and tap into who I am beyond them. Mm. So uh, when you ask, you know, who I am and what I'm about in my intro, for me, it's just in very simple terms. I'm someone who has fought for her dreams and won. I'm fighting every single day. Um, and I truly believe that, you know, God has greater plans for my life, for our life that don't include crying at night or believing that we're broken. My gosh, Amen. that is absolutely, absolutely powerful. And I'm so glad that you've um, been able to articulate that, put that into words, put that into affirmations, because I think a lot of times people do not realize that um, this is a journey. It's not something that you just come to right away, that there had to be a process that you had exactly. to that you had to go through to get to this point to still understand that there's still a journey that has to be had, regardless of how you are seen, titles, all of those kinds of things. Exactly, exactly. And you know, some people are on that search to tap into their purpose. And sometimes it will take you a lifetime for other people. They, you know, they were able to tap into that early on. And so I, regardless of how long it takes, I feel like, you know, you owe it to yourself to stay committed to the process. Absolutely. 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 Can I just ask you one other question in regards to your process? Because I think a lot of our listeners would love to just hear a little bit about, you know, how you came to get to this process. Because I think that some people think, well, maybe you just arrived here, you know, you know, and you've been able to say all of this right away. But would you be able to just tell our listeners just a little bit about, um, you know, at, at first where your struggle began and how you sure. actually and how you actually got to this point, because I think that would be also very powerful for our listeners to know. Absolutely. So 
I grew up in a two-parent household, um, very middle class, mm-hmm. and um, as a young black woman, I was encouraged to color within the lines and play it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always known myself to be a little bit rebellious, very curious, very imaginative, um, but that wasn't often celebrated. Um, and when I hit high school, um, that's when my depression really hit very hard because um, you know, everyone has a competitive nature. Everyone around me knows what they want to do with their lives. I know what I want to do with my life, but people such as my, you know, family, friends, teachers, guidance counselors are telling me, you know, maybe you should be a little bit more realistic. Traditionally speaking, I wasn't a scholar in school. Mm -hmm. I was a kid at the back of the class. I wasn't raising my hands. I failed many of my of my classes. Um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, my friends and my teachers would, you know, make me feel like a dummy. I had a mm. slower learning curve than most people. And so I was bullied a lot as a kid. And when I would spend time by myself, I would doodle in my notebook. I would write my dreams down. I would mm. think about what life would be like outside of this hellhole. And um, when it came time to make the decision to, you know, pick a degree or certificate program or diploma, I wanted to pursue communications and journalism. You know, the adults in my life said, no. Um, And I can, you know what, like now looking back, I can understand why they did that simply because, you know, when you fail grade 11 and 12 English, and then want to go into journalism, the ma- you know, that math yeah, is yeah, really the one, one plus right? one doesn't necessarily <laughs> equal two, <laughs> <Exactly>. right? <laughs> yeah, but I think that like from a kid, I really had like high belief in myself. But I feel like oftentimes when you're bombarded with media messages and and people in your life and depends on your environment, like, you know, that gets suppressed, right? And so I went into a college program that I absolutely hated. Oh, um, and that's when my depression got increasingly worse. I didn't attend school. Oftentimes, I stayed in bed for days. I didn't socialize. Um, a lot of simple tasks that many people take for granted. I, It was just very hard for me to perform. Um, so my grades definitely slipped my second year. Um, I made a decision to <laughs> attempt suicide. And for me, like that was, you know, that was a decision that I was, you know, I came to terms with because I just, I had spent too many years wearing a mask. I would spent too many years, you know, adhering to the rules of other people. I spent too many years just listening to people who had no vision, paint and design my life for me. And I was really tired. You know what I mean? And when you're tired, you don't want to keep swimming. You don't want to raise your hand. You don't want to, you don't want to pursue your passion. So I said, fuck it. Like I was over it, you know? And so God spared my life. This was back in 2008. Mm -hmm. God spared my life. And, you know, when he did, I made a promise that I would make a commitment to myself and to him that, uh, I would uh, continue the journey and keep pressing on um, until I tapped into that purpose. And so I immediately dropped out of school. Um, Best decision I ever made was to walk away from an institute that didn't really celebrate um, uh, learners like myself. And from there on, honestly, I leaned on mentors. I wasn't um, diagnosed until 2010. My doctor was absolutely phenomenal. And I understand Uh, that that's a a privilege and advantage. My my doctor was white. He was wealthy. And he was very well known, right? So I mean, like, come on, like, I kind of got the lottery, I will say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with that being said, 
any phone call he, he had, he also like gave birth to me, right? Like he helped my mom give birth to me. So I understand that people don't even have family doctors really, right. you know what I mean? That's For that true. length of time. So you could make any phone call, any recommendation, right? So that really, and he, we had an open door policy. Like if he's like, yo, like if you ever want to just drop by and just kick it, come by, I'll make time for you. We had a very special relationship. Wow. So I, under- <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I completely understand that that's like a privilege and an honor. So I don't take that for granted. And he really was instrumental in helping me implement morning routines, helping me in- implement lifestyle changes, nutritional changes, health and fitness, um, group therapy, individual therapy. I was definitely on um, different medications. I think that when it comes to your recovery process, it is layered process it can be complex like you have to experiment to see what works for you a lot of people ask me a lot of people ask me like how and the why i'm like girl like i don't know like i'm trying to figure (laughs) this shit out too like (laughs) like, i hear you i hear you there's no perfect formula like you know what i mean so and like i'm i mean we're going on what like 10 years like you know i kind of have my my own formula down pat but you know every once in a while you pivot and you change and you know i thought it was i thought it was so good up until 2020 when covid hit and then i had a series mm. of panic attacks because oh, of what was going on man. so it's like you kind of have to hit reset and like kind of start over and figure out like what's going on with your body and your mind and so for me i think yo it's just about staying committed to the process with however that process looks. And sometimes it's going to be very dark. Sometimes it's going to be very messy, but I'm committed to the process because I've now created a life. I never want to escape from. Mm, I love that. Oh my God. I <laughs> love that. That quote alone. Thank you. That statement. I've created a life that I never want to, never mm. want to escape from that. That is so powerful. Pollyanna, when I you, appreciate that. Yes. yes, like when you came on board, I want to give the audience a little backstory. So Pollyanna was someone that I that I was um, I don't want to say stalking for a bit, but like I was looking up her stuff because I was like, this young woman is so brave and so bold to talk about mental illness, because when you when you when you take it back to 2014 nobody really in the black community was very people were not speaking about mental illness. It was still. And it still is, Dr. Natasha, it is still swept under the rug. Absolutely. It is still a, a veil of shame that we wear. So I was I was so like, wow, Pollyanna is talking about this. So I reached out to her and I asked her to be a part of the blind stigma. And I'm so glad and I'm so honored, Pollyanna, that you came on board. Whenever I go to, to, to do my talks, especially in high school, there's a five-minute clip of the blind stigma documentary that I play. And one of them is where you're talking about kids having their own struggles too and to right. not feel like just because you have a roof over your head clothes on your back Thank a you. cell phone it doesn't mean that we don't go through our own struggles and every yeah. that clip that little part always gets the students because they feel it they're like somebody is speaking my language somebody understands what i'm saying and Pollyanna, i just want to know after the blind stigma came out how has it changed your your life in a way or change your 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 perspective on mental illness like how did how did how did you feel like there there was a change afterwards so i mean i had the opportunity to film the blind stigma with one of my best friends siobhan john right and i am grateful for the experience and being able to share that with her because we have been each other's when you talk about like what is your toolkit what's your recovery process I made a promise to Javon during that time. We made a promise to each other that we would never 
that we would that we would not make any choices that would leave the other person on this earth by themselves. Wow. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm getting emotional talking about it's it. Powerful. Like we made a, we, really we made a pact with each other, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's like another driving force. Like, you know, in addition to the medication and lifestyle changes, mm-hmm. having that emergency contact, there have been times where I've called Siobhan and I don't have to say anything. She can feel my energy through the phone and she knows to walk me through you know, my coping mechanisms, the counting to 10, the breathe, she can feel me hyperventilating, right? Mm. We have this like very energetic fr- friendship and like participating in the documentary brought us closer together. Participating in the documentary made us feel stronger towards advocating and telling our stories. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it was a beautiful experience that like we will never forget for the rest of our lives. Oh, my wow. goodness. It's amazing how something that we would see as, I don't want to say mundane, but that's the Mm -hmm. word that's coming to mind. Mundane as a documentary or, you know, a film or something Mm -hmm. like that can have so much power, right? And it's not just viewing the the documentary, but we're talking about how, you know, participating in the documentary can impact lives. I mean, that Mm -hmm. to me, I think is such... Uh, it's such a powerful thing. And to have that person who is almost like, um, you know, your, your, your spirit sister, I guess, if you want to call, yeah. if you want to mm-hmm. call them that, right. Um, you know, that you've made that pact. And, and now that, you know, you've got, you both have done that, um, you know, it, it, you're right. It gives you that, that other, that next tool in your toolkit and I'm glad I'm very happy you use the word toolkit I use that that term as well um in my in my uh therapy sessions with my clients because everyone's kit is actually going to be different it's really not this one size fits all you really have to figure out what tools are going to be good for you and the thing is is that the tools are not always stagnant when you just said how in 20, you know, 2020 with COVID and everything mm-hmm. hitting and then suffering from from a series of panic attacks, you have to look at your toolkit and it doesn't always have to be the same. You may have to pull one thing out, remove one thing, put something in exactly. different because your toolkit is going to ebb and flow absolutely as you go along and on your journey. So, you know, it's it's just it's such an amazing thing to to sort of hear a not only your journey but b um, you know, how, how the, the, the blind stigma documentary has, um, has significantly impacted your life, but also know that, you know, you telling your story, your story is also impacting other lives exactly. as well. Exactly. Saving other lives as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, Pollyanna, how do you, how do you feel like the black community, how can we change the stigma of mental, of mental health, of mental illness, illness. Yes, and mental health overall? I feel like those of us who have, I don't know if that's, this is the right word, but those of us who have stabilized or those of us who have, have better um, management over our mental health need to uh, continue to talk about it, right? Like I can easily tell you about my history of mental health at this point, without crying, say at one point, like every time I talked about it, I always cried, right? Like it was just mm-hmm. very like triggering and emotional, but like I'm so far on the other side 
days are not perfect. Life is not perfect, but I'm so far on the other side that like I have enough strength to tell my story with conviction, you know, with a full heart, you know, with optimism. So those of us who have made it, like we need to lift as we climb, right? Like, which is why it's very important. Like I, I, I spend that. a great deal of my time mentoring. Um, and, you know, when, when you spend a great deal of time with young people, like they tell you what they need, they tell you what they want, they tell you, you know, what they're dealing with. So like, not just preaching. So I think like teaching is like one part of it, but at some point you also need to listen, actively listen to what people are not saying, actively listen to what people are saying, right? So when I spend time with young people who are dealing with managing their emotions and their life, you know, I, I, I get to collect data and it better informs me so that I can, when I do social media content or I'm standing on stage or doing a podcast interview, I can, you know, I have all this data to pull from and these stories to pull from so I can kind of tailor like my message to hopefully help someone who can't find their voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I appreciate what you've just said, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, especially us in the black community and when it comes to mental health and mental illness, we are shamed into silence. Right. So we, you know, because, you know, the the community is saying, you know, well, you know, again, roof over your head, clothes on your back. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to worry? You don't have nothing to worry about or whatever. So, you know, we're, we're shamed into this into this sort of silence. And when you have gone through your journey uh, and you, you mentioned something about lifting, you know, as you climb, uh, lifting as you climb. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That, that to me is such power because a lot of times, us as black community, we don't we don't actually do that. We almost act like what is it like the, the crabs, crabs in a barrel, bu- yeah. yeah, crabs in a bucket. You know who? Yeah. Survival of the fittest, whatever. And, and you know, if I'm up and I'm good, well, then you know what? I'm I'm, I'm up and I'm good, and who cares about everybody else, mm-hmm. right? But to be able to use your use your journey to date to then inform and to educate others. I think is such power. And I think what it does, it, it starts to um, unravel the shame. I guess maybe that's sort of, because there's, it, it's so tightly woven in our community, yes, I find. Yes. Um, and to be able to, to um, you know, put a face to it and say, look, this was me. You know, this is me, this not even was me, this was me, this is me, this continues to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm not foreign, I'm not an anomaly, you know, let's talk about this, right? And, and I think, you know, being able to do that, I think just, just talking truth to power. Absolutely. Talking truth to power, I think is huge. Pollyanna, before we wrap up this interview, um, this is this is part of the um, the interview where I like to call the fun question, right, Doctor Natasha? Yes, yes. So <laughs> one day I was at work and I saw I went to the water cooler and I saw a sign that says "Take one thing for your mental health," and they had different words cut out. And you know, back in the day, they used to have this little poster and like a babysitter will be like, "Call me," and then they'll have their number on it, and you can just rip it off, rip off the yeah, little, right, yeah, so rip it's off like the that. number exactly. So it's like that, and it's like take one word for your mental health and I wanted to ask you this question I wanted to implement this into the into the podcast and to ask you if you were to use one word to describe your mental health journey what would that one word be distractions oh oh I was not expecting that (laughs) wow oh now you're gonna have to explain yourself (laughs) I love it I love it I mean when you ask me that I'm like I immediately think of as a young black 
very single woman. I immediately <laughs> think of F boys. I immediately. <laughs> I immediately, I immediately think of, you know, peep like shiny objects, right? Like it could be oh. Netflix. It could be, it could be Netflix. It could be people in your circle. It could be um, procrastination. It could be just like anything that takes me off my path, right? Yeah. So when someone calls me or emails me or messages me, I always think about my life, how I want it to be designed or the life that I am designing, sorry. And if someone makes a request of me, speaking engagement, consulting, anything business related or lifestyle related, does this align with where I'm going? Right. Everything else mm-hmm. is, is a distraction. Jeez. Okay. I love it. I love it. Because it's so true. It is so true. It, it is so true because the thing is, you're so right. Everything else ends up being a distraction. It it distracts you from your purpose or it pulls you off of your exactly. off of your path. Pulls you off that track. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh snap! I'm gonna exactly. Re- I'm, gonna- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna remember that one. You know, as Pollyanna is talking, I'm thinking about the distractions in my life. Right. How many times have I actually been distracted? Right. You know, the, the shiny object. You're like, I know. oh, this is nice. This is. Pre- but wait exactly (laughs) don't get caught up right oh (laughs) i love it i love it pollyanna i want to thank you so much for taking the time out to to spend with us on the blind stigma podcast um sharing your story telling our listeners you know sort of the journey that you're going through and continue to go through we absolutely appreciate it. And listen, we see you because oh my we know that you are doing the work in the community and we know that the community appreciates it. So please keep on shining, keep on doing what you're doing. And I know, and we know that God has some amazing things that is that he's doing in you and through you. So absolutely. keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pollyanna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again and over again. Thank you for the work that you continue to do in our community. Like Dr. Natasha said, I definitely see you, always seen you, been seeing you, will forever see you, <laughs> cheer you on. Stacey, as you, you know, go. we go way back. <laughs> like <laughs> it's been, we've been doing this a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, Man, I I I know I want to have a conversation with you. Um, definitely after about like the the panic attacks with um with COVID, because yeah. I went through that as well. Like COVID just flipped my whole program over, where I thought I had everything done packed with my anxiety. But thank you yeah. for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that. But again, thank you for your time. You've reached the end of another episode of the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.